Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Shirley. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lore, the only place on the internet where you can hear topics discussed. It is currently at 166 beats as we record this. Mark, would you like to <laughs> introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to plug. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I don't have anything to plug other than this band that just released a demo. Uh, they're from Sweden. This is like a quarantine demo that they just released. As far as I don't know if they've ever even like been in the same room as each other. This is like a, a music project that popped up during quarantine. The band is named Mason Chain. That is mace apostrophe n apostrophe chain and the demo is called upon the anvil formed and if you are someone who likes epic heavy metal in the style of eternal champion or smolder um you're absolutely gonna love mason chain upon the anvil formed is a very good name for anything it's really good and the album art is fantastic it's this real swords and sorcery conan the barbarian type thing with a big giant snake and i think this shirtless barbarian dude is whipping a like a mace at this guy i don't know it's awesome yeah and shirley would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug as far as introducing myself i guess that i'm shirley is about it i have nothing to plug um, except I guess since we're talking about bands, I think everyone probably already knows them because they're so, so cool. But I'm extremely into the Linda Lindas, which if you haven't heard of them, is like a punk riot girl band of like middle school girls. Whoa. And they're very good. Yeah, they absolutely rip, like, no question, they straight up rip. Yeah, they have, like, a cool song called Racist Sexist Boy. I think they're they're all <laughs> um, of mixed race. Uh, three of them are, I think, Asian. And I think someone made, like, a derogatory comment to her at school. And then, like, she immediately wrote a bitchin' punk song about it. <laughs> like, the most punk rock thing I've ever heard in my life. They're just so cool and they're 12 <laughs> between like 12 and 14 i think i'm so excited about that kind of music because they're really inspiring and inspired they opened for bikini kill <laughs> they're they're yeah. just on the track like they're just perfect because um they get it and they're probably just raised by the wokest people ever <laughs> and so this is what we get and it's Perfect. <laughs> I'm scrubbing through a music video that I'm not listening to, or it's a concert video rather. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it looks pretty intense. I like that the guy on the mixing board is wearing a mask. Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's very safe. Appreciate that. Are you ready to start on some topics? Yeah, let's talk about some topics. God, am I ever. Uh, and Mark, your topic is neuroscience. So that's a, a pretty broad topic. <laughs> um, but so the, I've been on the show a couple of times, and it occurred to me this my third time on the show listeners may have, have sort of seen me move through this career change. And it's actually kind of interesting. If you caught me on the first time I was on the show, I was working at Ikea. In that show, you actually talked about your, your previous jobs as well. Yeah, I talked about like working working in, in kitchens and, you know, my experience in the hospitality industry. And I went to culinary school and I did all of this stuff. And then I decided I didn't want to do any of that stuff. So I went back to school for psychology while I was going to school for psychology, I developed an interest in neuroscience and kind of for a kind of a while, like talked myself out of neuroscience because of deep seated sort of feelings of inadequacy and feeling like I wasn't smart enough for that because neuroscience is such a crazy thing. 
the word is very intimidating. And when you're taking classes and you're like, I can't take a neuroscience class. But I did. I took a neuroscience class. I took a decision neuroscience class. Mm -hmm. That class completely changed everything. And it was amazing. I did really well in it, actually. But the last time I think I was on the show, I was working, I was volunteering in a neuropsychology lab and I hadn't graduated yet. And I was... I was working on like a smartphone application to help people with dementia or early stages of dementia manage activities of daily living. That was a really cool project and I had an awesome time on it. Well, since then, that project got published um, and I was listed as an author on it, which is really cool for an undergrad. That's like, it was really nice of my PI to do that, basically. <laughs> She's very generous. <laughs> um, but as a result of that and sort of my work in that lab, uh, I got my degree in psychology and cognitive neuroscience. And now I'm actually, I'm a research assistant in a lab doing neurolinguistics, um, which is a little bit out of my wheelhouse from what I was working on, but which is a fascinating field of study, um, which I didn't really spend any time working on in undergrad. Uh, so my, the first like three or so months of the time I was working there, I was really just like learning about linguistic neuroscience, but it's been an incredible experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with uh, populations with aphasia. Um, basically, I am working on a few different projects uh, to develop interventions for people who have suffered strokes. Are you familiar with aphasia? Have you? Uh, I've heard the. I'm, I actually, I'm sure that I am, but I can't actually remember what it means. So aphasia is like a is an acquired language problem, um, usually the result of a stroke. But uh, not always. But the the sort of the, the aphasia that I study is stroke related. So basically, there are these two areas of the brain um, that are primarily responsible for the generation and comprehension of language. Because of the nature of the way the the anatomy of the brain sort of works, it's reasonably likely that one of those two regions could be affected as a result of a stroke. When those areas are affected very interesting things happen to the way that people generate and perceive language. So um, if you think about the different modalities of language, uh, written language that you uh, write and that you read, so that's like language generation in writing mm -hmm. language, and then uh, language comprehension in reading, and then there's also comprehension and generation of language that's spoken. So those four modalities each can be affected or unaffected when somebody has a stroke in sort of any sort of combination. That's a bit of a simplification, but but that is generally how it goes, how, how it happens. And so we basically look for people who are having word finding problems. That is to say, when they attempt to uh, name something, uh, the wrong word might come out, or maybe they can't find the word at all. And the woman that I work with is developing a bunch of different interventions to help people get their words back. Neat. Woo! Yeah, so like those interventions are really cool, and uh, like the work itself has been really awesome, but totally different from what I expected. It's just been like a hell of a journey from like culinary school and food service and hospitality all the way to linguistic neuroscience research. It's just been it's it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's intense. Just even observing as like Mark's partner, though the work itself is obviously like really. Um, challenging and has a lot of depth and, you know, it has its own unique um, elements that like to tackle and kind of a lot of learning. It seems like a lot of it is also just kind of adapting to 
um, not being in an abusive workplace environment uh-huh. um, oh, like yeah. hospitality, food service, or retail, which is where Mark and I both spent a lot of time. So it's been interesting watching Mark adapt in the same way I did when I got out of that into industry with like imposter syndrome and kind of that thing when like your boss just wants you to do a good job and be happy and like take your time to do it right. Um, and how stressful it is to adapt to that. It's obviously the better way, but it's like really tough to adapt. And I've been witnessing that for Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. That, that has been so crazy. Like, because I, I, my instinct has always been to do to, when I'm working on a project is to do it right, um, to do it really well and to make sure that like everything is the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and, and to like make sure that everything's just so that's really bitten me in the ass a bunch of times because in, in retail, it's always just like, dude, get it done. Like, you know, the, the quality of the work is sort of irrelevant um, as long as it basically works. And anytime I was ever like, I feel like this process is flawed and we should, we should fix this process rather than continuing to use a flawed process that costs us time in the long run. Why don't we like sit down and take a few moments to develop a better process for doing the work that was always shot down because it's like, dude, we don't have time to sit down and come up with a new process. We're just going to do it the way we've always done it. And like, if it's ineffective, it's ineffective. Like who cares? But in this work, it's like really, it seems to be really useful. People really like that in science. (laughs) They really, you know, people, it's like, I'm working, I've always been this like, you know, hyper optimizer and, and, and in a world of people who don't care about optimization. And finally I'm like, in this job where everybody is an optimizer and I come up with some tiny, stupid little optimization and everyone's like, Ooh, good optimization. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting how much retail work is characterized by it's actually kind of bad to care about your job too much. Correct. Absolutely. And if you do care about your work a lot, you can, you'll get like socially ostracized in a lot of retail jobs. Like, you know, that's like bad for your relationships with your coworkers, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I actually don't know who you were talking to when you were saying like when your idea was shot down, but like if certainly if it was like a couple of other uh, people who were being paid minimum wage to, <laughs> you know, to stack crates or whatever, they're not going to give a shit because they don't actually care yeah. about the outcome of the business you might get a better response from some like from like a manager but even they are protected from the actual outcome of the success or failure of the business that it doesn't really matter yeah like if you talk to your direct manager they don't care like they're basically those people are also a wage slave yeah you know? yeah they're, they're they're basically in the same situation they're just like one very small step up from where you're at if you're you know like for example when i worked at ikea and i was like in product quality or my bosses in those positions like they're no they're no better off than i am not really and if you ever did get the opportunity to be in the room with someone who was actually a manager somebody who like had actual power in the business and you were to bring up something like that that would be just first of all socially weird you know like right. that would be strange you, you you would look like kind of a crazy person and and they would certainly not shoot you down but they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, you should talk to your manager about doing that. 
And then that's that's a fucking dead end. Like <laughs> that's not gonna happen. You know, or then you're like, oh great, wow, like, oh, the store manager said I should talk to I should talk to my manager about it. And then you go to your manager and you're like, hey, like I talked to the store manager about it. And they said and they're like, Oh, you're like going over my head. You know, like, oh, like you're you know what I mean? Like that's bad. Yeah. And then it and then and then even if even if even if that isn't perceived as bad. They're still going to be like, yeah, when are you – yeah, next time you have like any spare moment, why don't you work on that? You know, like <laughs> next time. Your manager doesn't have a spare moment to like implement some new yeah. process either. Yeah. And yeah, nobody has a spare moment. Like <laughs> like no one's ever – The whole business is as understaffed as, as they can get away with. That's yeah, the, yeah. the whole, whole premise of retail. More so than selling things to people, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. You know, it took me so long – to realize that being understaffed is by design. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we're understaffed, but we're going to be hiring some new people. That is a fairy tale that is told to, like, every retail worker ever. And and for the most part, I think they believe it. Like, I believed it for a really, really long – I believed it way longer than I should have. And I'd be like, oh, but like, we're going to be hiring somebody. And we would. You know, sometimes we would hire somebody. Dude, turnover is so fast. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, you'd be like, oh, we, like, hired someone. Five people left in the meantime. So congrats on this one new person. Yeah, so great. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're up one. It know? doesn't matter how many people are ostensibly on the payroll when they can just manage how understaffed they are just by give, allocating hours. Yeah, exactly. But, oh, we hired like three new people and like also everybody is working like whatever five hours less per week and it's like yeah that's not the same thing we're still just as desperate every moment we're there you know we're still running around like crazy but that's the whole that is literally the point is like you pay people virtually nothing and then they are just busting their ass you get especially and actually it's like people it is like people like me and me and shirley who who would really like because we wanted to be doing good work like that. Oh, that. it's agonizing. Trying to be like a good employee and like make it good for everybody and work really hard. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Get, getting really invested in the work, which is a total rookie mistake, you know, if you're, if you're working in retail. But, you know, I, I did. I, I think Shirley did, too. I worked at this liquor store in California and it just like was crushing. It was just completely soul crushing all the time. I I managed to like maneuver myself into this position where I was forever having a like promotion sort of dangled in front of me and I wanted it so bad and I thought that if I just kept clocking out and staying for 3 hours to like finish a job that was never possible in the first you know what I mean like it was just like completely unrealistic expectations and I would just I would, yeah, I'd fully clock out and work for like two or three hours off the clock after everyone else had gone home in an empty store. Yeah. Your new job, they'll be like, yeah, take however long it takes to like get your work done. Oh, it's Do insane. it right. And whatever you need, however long you need to do it, like, that's fabulous. Yeah. Right. And you're not supposed to work overtime. You need to have good rest to be able to do good work. Right. You know, yeah, there are some times where there's, where there's deadlines when, like, papers are due and grants and stuff like that. You do kind of have to hustle to get that stuff together. But I'm working on, like, three different projects right now, two of which are ERP projects, which are uh, an ERP is an event-related potential. It's, like, if you ever seen like a, an electroencephalograph, they put the cap on you and all the little electrodes go in the cap and they measure your brain waves. Yeah. So we're doing like two experiments like that and I'm I'm designing them. I've never designed an ERP experiment before, so I have to like 
learn about how ERP research is done. And, you know, I have to like read all of these documents. I have to go through all of these programs that were written by other people. And like, I also am not a programmer. So I'm like learning about PsychoPy and, you know, this like Python program. And I'm like learning how all of that works. And there's like so much learning for me at this stage. It took me like months before I could even start working on the project. And that whole time I was like sweating. Yeah. Because I was like, oh was my God, out. like I'm not producing <laughs> anything like i i literally am just acquiring knowledge and it's been months and i had like a check-in with my boss and i was like you know i, I don't know what to tell you like this feels terrible like i i'm like literally just learning how to do this stuff and that's all i can do and she was like yeah you're doing great like you're you're crushing it like <laughs> i was just like oh my god like what the fuck is this place <laughs> yeah it's insane yeah it takes so long to break to break through the barrier of like what was built for us for many years where you're supposed to be scrambling I, yeah. all the time. I want to go back to a point I made earlier where I was saying that the workers in a retail environment or even even the managers and owners are separated from the outcome of the actual business. That's actually yeah. even more the case in an office job. Mm. I would argue that that's even more so. And so it really is just a difference of culture. Office workers just get more respect. And that's really the end of it, I think. Yeah. They are respected more, and so their opinions are respected more. Yeah, that's accurate. That that really is. Definitely. Respected and also, like, trusted. Yeah. I work from home most days of the week, but I am hourly, and there's nobody here, obviously, to, like, be hanging over my head. And, like, for listeners who, who live like this, you know, who have always had sort of white-collar jobs, that's like, well, yeah, obviously – but it is not obvious. Like if you if you have ever worked in retail or food service, and you are not trusted to be spending your time on the clock working. That is not expected. It is expected that you are not working unless your boss is breathing down your neck. Like that's definitely the expectation in most. That's retail. encouraged. I mean, honestly, yeah, I think that is encouraged. I think it is. And unless you have spent a great deal of time and effort establishing that that's not the case for you personally to your individual boss, you will have someone breathing down your neck all the time. Oh man, I was always like made myself so busy. My boss never worried about me. <laughs> yeah. That I made myself known, I guess. Yeah, me, me too. But that's the thing is like, that's the thing is like, you have to like really overtly like over a long period of time to, to earn that level of trust with a boss. That is not the expectation. I remember the first time when I went from retail to an office job and I could like just go to the bathroom whenever I needed to without talking to anyone oh was like strange and even more so when it was like, oh, I'm just going to like run across the street to like the coffee shop and like grab a cup of coffee. Like, and of course, like I even <laughs> was like not courageous enough to do that until it was like my coworkers were like, Hey, like you want to come with us? And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, right. I can just like <laughs> walk out of this building and do stuff and then come back and I don't need to tell anyone or clock in or out. I mean, yeah. In retail, you can't even go, you can't even go to the bathroom without telling somebody. If you've never worked a retail job listener, just picture high school. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Part of it is that like a lot of people who work entry level retail jobs are high schoolers. Yeah, they're they're teenagers. Yeah, fresh out of yeah, they're teenagers. That, that is pretty common. But you know, a lot of them are not. Yeah, <laughs> no, know? a lot of them like, are just treated like teenagers for the rest of their lives. Yeah, like I was in my thirties 
you know, deep into my thirties working <laughs> in retail. Like, and, and many of my coworkers are in the same situation. I was not like the only one there who is that old. It's, you know, obviously if you've ever been to a grocery store or an Ikea, you've seen that there's people of all ages. No, it, it, it is, it's crazy. I, I talk to people who seem to fundamentally not understand that. And it sounds like when I say these things, it seems so obvious to me, like, well, yeah, like you're not, you're treated really poorly and you know, you're treated like a child when you work in those jobs. But like, man, there are so many people who just do not get that that's the case. I have had this thought that like, I feel like everyone should have to work that kind of job for some amount of time. I feel like everybody should have to work in service for some period of their life. You know, if you're going to live in a society in which you go to grocery stores or retailers, you should have to work in service, at least at least some. Can you imagine what would be different if the people in charge had to live in the world they created? <laughs> Dude, it would be so different. I don't, I've heard good. I've heard good things about Costco, actually. And I'm whatever. Hashtag not sponsored. I don't know what those are about. <laughs> saying the names of, of organizations. But I've actually heard that Costco is like one of these rare companies that while obviously still thriving in the hyper-capitalist uh, dystopia uh, that we live in, that they do have at least some amount of equity in terms of like, like I think their CEO can only make like, there's like a certain like m multiplier that the the CEO can only be paid so much more than the base level employee. But you know, like... You like work in like retail and you hear stories from other people who work in retail and they're like, oh, like my cousin worked at, you know, wherever. That's how I heard about Ikea, actually. It was from a coworker when I worked at the liquor store who was like, you know, Ikea is actually not a bad place to work. That's why I'm working here at this liquor store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually worked at the Ikea in South Philly when I worked at the liquor store in California. I then moved to Philly and got a job at the South Philly Ikea after I met him nice. in California. I ended up working at the same place that he used to work, which is so weird. Yeah, that is odd. All right, we need to we need to switch topics, or we're going to oh yeah, let's switch we're, topics. We're going to talk about neuroscience all day. Oh my god, and retail. <laughs> we'll always come back. Right. There. Surely your topic is fertility tracking is more complicated than I realized. That's true. It's so interesting because I put this topic in the bucket maybe a year ago. And so now I guess I'm like here way further in this whole thing. Well, not that much further, I guess. I mean, I don't have any kids yet, but mm -hmm. I suppose like as we got older, we realized that if we like wanted to do that, we like needed to get on it, which is its own really crazy topic. That's very like frustrating, sort of like as yeah. I entered this whole thing, you start to get like more information from people around you who are in the same boat or have been in the past. And then you're suddenly like, holy shit, there's like this whole world and like a whole bunch of like information about my own body and the way all of this works that no one told me in the past. And like, I really wish like they just had taught me this in, you know, like middle school so that I had like a better handle on what, any of this was like, especially like this fighting against the idea that age is just a number and like whatever, whenever it's right for you. And the fact that that's like a total bullshit lie and there are like real issues <laughs> and problems that can happen with 
age and you don't get to just like feminism isn't just like waiting as long as possible to have a kid because you might find out that you've been taught this by people and then you get there and then you can't have a baby if you want one which would be devastating it's weird because I feel like I had gotten that kind of message for a really long time and where it felt like oh yeah it'll be like impact almost like empowering to wait and then you find out about like the people around you who are struggling with infertility or miscarriages and yeah that's fucking nuts yeah i do think that people when they say to wait i think they're saying that as like counter messaging to the messaging they got as kids which is that Mm -hmm. you should have kids as soon as possible and as often as possible yeah but i will also say that um i don't remember how old you are but i don't think things are that bad for you yet no no not yet you've got well we're 35 which isn't so bad however is the age when declines start to happen right but they start now they don't they're not like well on their way now no no they yes they start now but yeah it's really interesting because once i was like okay well like maybe like decline is supposed to start soon so maybe i'll get reading about this and then reading about it and get you know hopping into all the different subreddits and buying a bunch of books and then suddenly being like fuck like you know I really wish I'd had this information sooner because like there must be a middle ground as far as like the information we give people as far as like yeah I, I think you're right about people in the past being told like go for it as soon as possible as much as possible and then being like "Eh, don't do that like that's kind of yeah well i think that the the answer is to give kids facts rather than like even as opposed to advice yeah it's it doesn't need to be so emotional and then you just have an idea of what the reality is and that's not a problem you feel so much more like something's been ripped away from you when you realize that you've kind of been misled all this time. And this is true even in, you know, like media that, you know, there are these like themes that kind of continue and you're sort of like, oh yeah, well, like it'll be fine. It's just like the patriarchy telling me to have babies early. It's very frustrating to find out that like maybe medical science could like, is part of that. And (laughs) I would have liked that information. And I've heard that from a lot of people in my life, but even they often keep that information to themselves unless you like signal that you're interested in that world or starting to get into it. Yeah. I I think, I think a lot of people want to pretend that that world doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because then I think it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe someone I know who's been on that path and experienced struggles I think they've been sort of signaled that they should like keep it to themselves unless someone asks about it. Um, And so everyone's like keeping it to themselves. Right. The other factor that comes to mind is that it it could be triggering for somebody who like who's infertile or who Mm -hmm. had a bunch of miscarriages. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's difficult for them to talk about because they've had miscarriages or had a really hard time. But um, then it's everyone, no one talking to each other. Um, and no one realizing what reality even is. 
The thing that we found most enlightening, we had this thing, I forget what it was called now. This only happens after you're pregnant, but uh, the Kaiser Permanente uh, Hospital that we were, the, the region we were in, offers this program where once a week you go have a, like a round table with a bunch of other people, couples who are pregnant, and then a, a couple of like people who... Um, uh, I forget the, the, the name, the midwives, perhaps, or, or what they are. You discuss, this is the process of bearing a child. This is the process of childbirth. And this is like the process of dealing with early childhood. Uh, and it was very helpful to go through that in this group of people where, like, you're not just getting your own questions answered. Questions you didn't even think of yet are being answered because someone else asked them. It was very helpful. Um I don't know if there's anything like that for like aspirational pregnancies, <laughs> but like you, maybe there's a club. There should be. Mark, you have a couple of uh, brothers who have been through this a, a couple of times each, I think. Yeah. They, they're probably a good resource for you. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, the really good resource is the sisters-in-law who bore those children <laughs> have been re well, really yes. great for me. <laughs> yes. For both of us. Yeah, this is actually yeah. what I meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 those, those families are for sure very useful resources. So, like, I figured I'd start tracking, I guess, because I once I realized that this was all going to be potentially, like, more in-depth than I had realized. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a person who likes research and kind of likes to know the way everything data. works. I love data. Um, I love doing things in the way that professional tells me is the best way. Like, I think as a way, because we weren't like ready yet to like actually go for it. Um, it was helpful to kind of be like, well, I'll get into some science about my body yeah. <laughs> to be ready for, for this situation whenever it happens. And my initial, when I put this in a year ago, I was thinking about like, oh, this is like more complicated than I realized, which is true. But it's funny because I've been like tracking for um, the now, maybe more like a little more than a year. And you like just get into the swing of things. But, you know, um, people make jokes about like I've seen in shows, people make jokes about the kind of people who who are going to like be taking their their temperature and everything. But that is a reality learning that that That's was something thing. you do yeah there's also things you pee on oh yeah there are things you pee on Whoa. uh there you check you check all kinds of stuff so you're supposed to take your temperature um when you first like kind of like emerge from slumber in the morning and to get your basal <laughs> body temperature um and you're supposed to do it at the same time every day so i think i had like an alarm set a lot of people do it really early, and so um, lots of other people who are uh, doing this method will, yeah, get up really early, and, you know, you, like, stick a thermometer in your mouth, and you, like, track the temperature, and then you, you figure out when your temperature drops to determine when you ovulate, and then it does, like, a big spike. Um, now I have a fancy gadget that I like wear in the night that tracks my temperature the whole time because like if you're disturbed at all it fucks it all up um unless <laughs> like if you're taking your temperature like manually in the morning but now uh technology helps me out so I just get to sleep peacefully and I don't have to worry about what time I it's good uh yeah it's nice so you are not yet going for it is something I read into what you were yeah, saying we're not like we're like 
We're like we're like lightweight going for it. Okay. Like we have Yeah, we're like we're <laughs> we're like you know, no longer on birth control. Like basically we took the safety. We took off the seatbelt. You yeah. know what I mean? In the community, this is called uh, not trying, not preventing. Okay. Yeah, All right. that's it. We're not trying and not preventing. Yeah. So it's interesting, actually, because lately I, like, get all my data and I put it in my... I have various apps. Thank God for the apps that, like, will take my data and put them on a graph for me and I can easily see when the drop happens and then the the rise happens and figure out when I've ovulated and all that stuff. So I've been lightweight trying not to look at that because it feels disingenuous if I like know. <laughs> yeah. So I've been like inputting data without Yeah, you might accidentally try. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> um I felt like it would be almost like rude if we're trying to just like play it casual. If if I know I'm ovulating, then that's kind of seems counterintuitive. Yeah, you have to look at data that's like a week old and then now I can analyze this data. I love the data though, <laughs> so I just input it into the app and I don't look at it. <laughs> okay, all right. But once you do look at it, you'll have such a wealth of data. If we get to a point where then we're like full on, right? Where we're really like trying and we're looking yeah. at the the information, my data will be better because it's been collect continuing to be collected all this time. I right. also want to mention cervical mucus. I'm just going to let yeah. <laughs> oh. Yep, that that stuff comes out of there. You've got to test that to determine. And if you do temperature and that, then you have a pretty damn good idea about what's going on. That's a lot of fun. You know what this like? This whole thing is like? It's like people who get really into brewing kombucha. Wow. <laughs> dude, people who get really into kombucha, dude, they get all kinds of instruments and they take all these readings, yes. and pH and... And alcohol, and they're you know, and they and they've got like, and sometimes they talk to your phone, you know, and they'll they'll ping you. And like being pregnant, a bad batch of kombucha can kill you. It's the same. Wow. I rest my case. <laughs> sure that kombucha people have the little strips. I've got little strips to determine the levels of my uh, luteinizing hormone. You know, all all the hormones. Oh, dude, I bet they're checking the luteinizing hormones on the kombucha too. <laughs> <laughs> they probably are. So, Mark. I'm interested in like what your feeling is, I guess, from the other end. It's been pretty chill lately because I think I've got a good handle on collecting my data. But like, how do you feel about the data collection? I, I'm for it. I, you I'm love absolutely it. well now. I love it. As you as you may or may not know, I do love science. <laughs> what, what can you tell uh, us, Mark, about your sperm count? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually haven't been doing any biometric analysis of any kind. Okay, uh, I've just been I've just been crushing greasy ass cheesesteaks and slugging beers. Yeah, I'm like a total chilling. disgrace over here. This is this is the role of the man to be encouraging <laughs> if the woman does all the work. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. I like had to like quit caffeine and I have like non alcoholic beers for like when I could be pregnant. Right. Yep. You no know, uh, no cold cuts. But I'm just, I'm just beer swilling, sushi eating, <laughs> fucking, you know, I just forever with the caffeine. Actually, I, sh I can't, I shouldn't be having caffeine either on account of my blood pressure. So adulthood, everyone. Caffeine. Hey, whoa, there you go. I'm trying. Yeah. You know, here I, here I go. No, I don't know anything about my sperm count or anything. It's probably poor. 
It's my guess. <laughs> my, it, I'm, I, I'm, my guess is my guess is poor. All right. Because All right. I haven't well because I haven't done any optimization. If if you have to like do optimizations to have excellent sperm, well, I've not done a single optimization. So my guess is that my sperm is either average or poor. It's certainly not above average. Well, what if it is? You don't know. You, you don't have. What the if data. you're just blessed? Well, that's true. I don't. What if I'm just blessed with excellent sperm? We just don't know right it's now. It's possible, I suppose. High motility. That's right. Yeah, maybe. Personally, I, I am skeptical of that. What? I'm not the picture. Listener, you can't see me, but I am not the picture of, of health. <laughs> I'm not a, you know. I'm <laughs> oh, I'm we, can, we a, can hear you breathing. <laughs> We're in a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> you can hear me huff, huffing and puffing as I struggle to... To, to say a sentence without losing, without being out of breath. You know what, though? We're just very early in our journey, and I don't necessarily think <laughs> you, like, need to be... If we, we have don't have any data to say that there's a problem. That's true. That was, That's like, me at the gynecologist being like, well, what if... Should we run all these tests? And she's like, just, you know, like, cool it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, take my blood, like, and I analyze yeah, me. Yeah, you, you start worrying once you're actually trying and it's not working. Mm. We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you get there and then, like, and then if, if you decide you need some help, you do this thing where, like, you go to the doctor and they give you a shot to ovulate on a certain day. Yeah. And then Whoa. you take in a sperm sample, which then they treat. What? Yeah, they they like wash it so there's all the 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 colloid that the the sperm are in are embedded in that colloid goes away. So I guess they're just like inserting little wrigglers up there. What? Wow. Yo, that's some rad fucking science. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think this is the best part about being uh trying adjacent is the science. Yeah. I didn't know how much science was involved. Right. And then if that doesn't work either, then you can do the, the expensive route, which is in vitro. Wow. Oh, wow. And that's the one where you accidentally get eight kids at once. Cool. Dope. <laughs> Love it. And, it. and it costs as much as a, as a small car. Oh, my God. I'm a product of fertility treatments, so... Yeah, Shirley is a twin because her, her mom enjoyed, uh, perhaps drank too deeply of the fertility medicine. You know, what could you do? <laughs> she was 40 when she had us, so... I think she went off went off label. She was, like, chugging fertility stuff. Oh, she was taking the, taking the colloidal silver. <laughs> I think it was actual fertility she stuff. She just did what the doctor recommended. No, your mom said she was taking more than she was supposed what? to. What? I don't remember that. Yeah, we had a whole conversation. She said, she was like, well, I really wanted a kid, so I, like maybe I slipped a couple of extra. You got an extra kid, so... <laughs> you gotta prove that you want it. Yeah, right? Yeah, I guess it all went yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, in some states, in vitro legally has to be covered by your insurance, but in others it is not, so... Oh. Just thought I would get that out there. Oh, that's good to know. God, it really should be covered. It should, right? Well, yeah, you just have to move to a state where it is. There you go. Fuck this house we just bought. Yeah. Just well, go for it. <laughs> now that you've got uh, equity on your house, you can trade that in for equity on a different house. Wow. Grown-up stuff. In a place with better rules about healthcare. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 let's crush another topic. All right. My topic is... When it turns out that a character in a movie is movie star hot because it's a plot point, rather than because they're portrayed by a movie star, and I guess the audience is supposed to pretend that all the other characters also played by movie stars just look like regu regular schlubs. 
<laughs> I love this topic. This topic gets me all worked up. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, Shirley? It's more that like this is something we talk about frequently when there's like usually it's an actress and they're just fucking gorgeous. And we always have a joke. We did this a lot with the show Magicians. There's a character who like wears glasses and she's like a bookworm. Her character name is Alice Quinn, but the actress is Olivia Dudley, who may be one of the hottest human beings on the planet. Yeah, she's gorgeous. And it's hilarious because they kind of act like, oh, wow, like, look at her. She's got glasses and she she likes school. <laughs> Yeah. So every time she'd come on screen, we'd be like, oh, this like hideous creature. <laughs> like, how can anyone <laughs> be into her? And she's just like objectively hot. Even in the like token, we made her up to not be so hot makeup and hair right. and costume. It's like completely ineffective. You know, <laughs> it's just absolutely ineffective. That is like such a trope. Well, there's one recently, right? Yeah, we just well, we just rewatched Tremors for the maybe like 90th time. There's that bit where they're right at the beginning of the film. Val and Earl, you know, are cruising across uh, the desert. They see like the grad student out in the desert doing seismograph studies. They're like, oh, is that like the the grad student? And and he's like, oh no, he graduated. This this is like a new grad student that was like, oh, it's supposed to be a girl. And he like hauls off into the desert and he's just like, you know, gunning it over over the, the, the tumbleweeds. He's like, she better be blonde. She's like, you will be. I don't know. He has a whole list of of traits that he finds attractive, you know, legs that go all the way up. I don't know. He's got a whole fucking weird thing, he says. And then but then they get there. To reveal the woman, it's the incomparable Finn Carter, <laughs> gorgeous, uh, you know, emerges from the desert, but she's got like a flappy hat on and she's got the the sunscreen on her nose, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, so disappointing. Wow. She's so hideous. Oh, no. How could anyone find her attractive? It's like womp womp. And you're like, she's womp, womp. gorgeous. Like, she's so hot. Like, what are you talking about? It is possible to do this right. I, I never watched this movie, but I remember noting it. There's a Paris Hilton movie called The Hottie and the Naughty. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Where oh God. Paris Hilton is the hottie, and then her co-star, played by Christine Lacken, or Lakin, or however it's pronounced, who, who, by the way, is hot, they put her in this really unappealing, like, facial prosthetic. Maybe it's just the teeth and eyebrows. Wow. So they really oh, I see. go hard on this whole situation. Oh, yeah. They're going hard. Yeah. I'm looking at the, the screen screenshots. Holy hell. I, yeah. They gave her false teeth, it looks like, and like a unibrow. And my question is, couldn't you have actually just cast a genuinely ugly person? <laughs> Like, isn't this like they have a white person playing an Asian because, like, they can't find any Asian actors? <laughs> I think there is a, a kind of an axiom in, like, Hollywood casting that is, like, literally no one who is not conventionally very attractive is permitted unless they are explicitly a 
character actor and like that's their thing you know like it's a, if like, it's comedic role yeah yeah or it's like steve Bus- steve buscemi you know or like sloth from the goonies yeah, yeah but he's he's got he's covered in prosthetics i mean that guy's actually very attractive oh yeah he's a football player right yeah he's a football player he's yeah he looks great well there goes that but yeah but it's like it's like it's like steve buscemi you know or like you know ha- has like a very unusual face and like that's kind of i actually think that when Steve Buscemi is like dressed like a normal person and is just living his life, I actually think he looks fine, which is kind of, I mean, I guess that that's the case with pretty much everybody that exists, but, but he's got a, he's got like a face you don't really see in Hollywood. And that's like kind of his thing is that, is that he like sort of looks unusual. Yeah. He's never going to blend into a role. Yeah. He's like so identified. It's like, well, that's obviously Steve Buscemi. How he looks is a huge part of, part of it, which I guess is also the case for everyone. But I think in a different way, the way he looks is its own special thing. Literally, this is crazy. Like, I just like Googled ugly actors. And I know that's like a horrible <laughs> Google, but I was like curious what the internet would give me. And it's all South Asian people. <gasps> it is a list of nothing but like literally nothing but South Asian people. I'm so upset. Oh, it's a film. It's a film called Ugly oh, that is from India. Okay. Oh, it's, Jesus a, it's a Bollywood movie. Okay. Oh my god, I almost had I almost died. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, the internet is so fucking racist." Oh, but a lot of these people are like <laughs> extremely attractive. So yeah, dude, dude, exactly. I was like, felt like I was taking crazy pills. Like they're all like, this woman is so beautiful. Like, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. Thank Everything's God. fine here. Jeez. Oh, top ten ugliest actors according to the top tens list. Daniel Radcliffe as number one. What are you <laughs> so talking about? Weird. Macaulay Culkin as number two. This is, I think, the heart of the issue already. Right. They're all fine. At worst, they're like Hollywood ugly. Yeah. Fine. Nothing. Daniel Radcliffe looks great. Yeah. John Travolta was at one time, like, surely one of the hottest people on earth. Like, granted, in the more recent years, he's taken on a bit of a nightmarish visage, but... but... (laughs) He did that. (laughs) Dude, Ice Cube is on this list. Oh, this this list is ridiculous. Wow. Terrible. The way this makes... A totally normal person feel. Yeah. yeah when yeah. someone like the character Alice Quinn for magicians or someone is signaled to be unattractive or frumpy or whatever, and they're like incredibly good looking, it's very disheartening. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> um, not so much now, but especially for younger folks when you're like, well, fuck, like if that person is ugly, I'm screwed. Yeah. Personally, I have this reaction basically anytime anybody more attractive than me gets down on their looks. Yeah. Mm. You're just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm sure it's just like, it's it's just turtles all the way down. Yeah. That's why everybody's miserable. Except the, yeah. the literally most attractive person on the planet. Yeah. If you ever, like, see a movie star, like, in person... Chances are that's like the hottest person you've ever seen in your life, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, by, but in terms of like, you know, whatever, whatever society considers to be hot. I, I like when I was catering, I met some famous guy one time. I recognized him at the time, but I remember thinking like this dude, like on the screen, he's probably not the hottest person in any given thing he's been in. But then you like see him in person and you're like, man, like, that's crazy. Like just to get there, you have to be like 
an order of magnitude more conventionally attractive than like 99% of people. Yeah. Like you have to be so far out at the edge of the bell curve to even like get in the door, you know? Yep. But we all have to like go along with the lie in our heads when we watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah, this is what the real world is like. You're like, well, that's the hot one. <laughs> oh, and then there's the ugly one. <laughs> and like, they're like, wow. This. <laughs> like we know that the language of the movie, you just immediately are like, ah, I see. They're telling me this is the hot one. And these right. are like yeah. ugly schlubs. Based on makeup and how they're dressed. And yeah. So without the makeup and the, and the wardrobe, like they're all hotter than anyone you've ever met right (laughs) just to get there i don't have that experience but once i was in the same room as a basketball player so i think i get the gist basically the same (laughs) Uh, are we ready for another topic yeah let's do it for this topic we are going to be watching the music video immortal call of the winter moon at one quarter speed the way this works is you open up the video on youtube uh you want to mute it let it buffer a little bit uh go to settings which is the gear and go to playback speed and set it for 0.25. All right, hold on. Let me get it there. Got it. Are you ready? Oh, so ready. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to count down from three, and on zero, we, we hit play. Three, two, one, play. So I mentioned this when we were looking at this video before, but <laughs> I love so much that this video was shot on VHS. Yeah. And, like, not just on video, but clearly on VHS. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I want to stress that this is, you know, this is really from that time. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a classic. If you're, if you're a metalhead, you surely know about Immortal. Hopefully you've seen this absolute masterpiece of a music video. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he sticks his head around the fucking... <laughs> so to paint the picture... I love it. Yeah. They're... Folks with long, dark hair in general, and they've got, like, the kind of corpse paint on, which is, like... Yeah, painted like clowns. Painted like like <laughs> clowns, but all, definitely all black and white. Black metal clowns. Goth clowns. And they do a lot of deep frowning, like scowling, and popping their heads out yeah. from behind trees. And it's yeah. one of my favorite things. Yeah. Or, or or suddenly turning their head to look up at something. Yeah. The dramatic shot that doesn't lead to anything. Yeah. There is a guy who's, like, got a bunch of kind of leather daddy stuff with spikes and, and what have you. Most of them are, like, wearing jeans and t-shirts. Um, <laughs> there's a witch's but hat. But there is one guy in particular. Yeah, there's one guy in particular who's wearing a straight-up cape and wizard hat. And a t-shirt underneath. <laughs> and he's my favorite. He's, he's my favorite. I love the, the, the idea of these guys, like, at their, at their you know, mom's house, like, going through all their stuff to try to figure out what they're going to wear for the music video shoot. Yeah. Oh, man. They found some ruins. Found some ruins. They found some ruins. Yeah. They're creeping around them. There's just the guy's wizard hat poking out as he walks by the ruins. <laughs> Oh my god. This wherever they are is very lush and green. Yeah. I have to assume this is like They're from Norway. Scandinavia. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're Norwegian. It's a beautiful environment and then every once every once in a while someone breathes fire. Like this random person yeah. is yeah. standing there and breathes fire into the sky. 
Yeah, clearly one of their buddies, maybe one of the band members, figured out how to how to do fire breathing, and they really leveraged the hell out of it. Oh look! Oh the sun! Oh no! Rah! Uh, my tongue is disappointing. <laughs> be pretty impressive. Hey guys, have you seen that? Have you seen that movie? Have you seen that band Kiss? Like they do that that tongue thing. That guy Gene Simmons. Like yeah, maybe maybe I could do that. None of us have tongues as good as Gene Simmons, but we're gonna try. No, I could I could do it, guys. Look, look check it out. Look, I'll do the tongue. I think thing. that's the same shot from before of that guy standing on a rock, breathing fire into the sky. Yeah, it could be. I hear you can stick your tongue out longer if you cut your frenulum. Oh wow! Yeah, I've heard that. That's probably true. But still a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. Yeah, you wake up choking on your own tongue in the night. Yeah. Oh, he's got a guitar. Oh, guitar. Oh, I thought it was a sword. I think I think it's a guitar. Maybe it's a sword. It could be. He's, he's oh, look, standing I'm in, in a, a well. well. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to add to the like the, I was saying it's clearly shot on VHS. It's not just that. It's also uploaded at the lowest bitrate imaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is also completely fried. Like it just. Yeah. Oh, it's such garbage. If, if only they could have found another way to fry it. Yeah, it's <laughs> a third way. <laughs> oh yeah, this 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 was uploaded on two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. This is this is er, from the early days. Yeah. I mean, surely this must be one of the one of the earliest YouTube videos. When did YouTube even come online? Uh, I, I think it was like 2005. Yeah, I think it was not that much earlier than this. Oh, that guy's so grumpy. Oh, he's so grumpy. Wow. Yeah, the, the frowning, <laughs> the frowning faces they can the make. And then the crouching. <laughs> he does the frown, and then he crouches. There's so much, like, crouching and, like, looking upward at fucking nothing. Yeah. This video could have been made... Literally any year, and I would believe it. It's true. Yeah. This is yeah. like fifteen thirty six. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is timeless. Look, I'll I'll crouch in this little doorway with my wizard's cape and hat. <laughs> this video is eternal. And they're like weird, grotesque. <laughs> There's, there it is. That's the pose. Oh my yeah, God, he's got his cape spread out. I want to see what happens when this video gets upres to like ten eighty p HD pristine resolution oh my god what what is the ai going to think oh my god it'll be very smooth now the video is in slow motion so it's even slower for us <laughs> oh yeah look at that i'm gonna say slowing this video down actually doesn't change the vibe that much yeah no it doesn't well i actually don't know but it looks like i can't imagine this being this would be interminable even at regular speed yeah yeah, for sure. It's appropriate that it's like agonizingly slow. So I haven't heard the song. Yeah. Is it is it like doom metal? Is it like super drawn out? No, it is uh it is black metal. You know, we're at we're at a quarter speed here, so it's you know it's three minutes long. It's actually by by metal standards, it's a pretty brisk yeah. song. Yeah. I mean three minutes is pretty short, actually. It's so it's it's like, you know, extremely fast very distorted guitars with a pretty high-pitched uh, sort of guitar tone, very high, screechy vocals. Are they doing the vocal fry thing? I guess, I'm guess i not sure like what how, how technically it's accomplished, now that you mention it. Okay. But in, in metal, there's a variety of different screams and growls that you'll hear, and they all sort of have their own kind of place in 
you know, different types of metal. So in black metal, it's usually like a, a very high, I'm not going to attempt to do it because I can't, but it's like a very, it's like a much more high pitched sort of screaming in doom metal. You would usually get a more sort of low pitched, like growling, or actually a lot of times in doom metal, just clean, just clean vocals. Right. Usually actually pretty clean vocals. Death metal is where you'd really get the, the low growling, you know, type stuff. Right. I have to assume that, like, some of these techniques are difficult enough that, like, they turn to autotune-like programs to get the right tone for the scream. Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I'm sure. I suppose some do. I, I can't be sure they don't. And then it's a huge scandal. Like, I, I imagine there's some, <laughs> some trick, like, instead of screaming, because that's hard on your throat, you just whisper into a distortion pedal or something. <laughs> I can certainly say that would be frowned upon. Yeah. I mean, there are vocal techniques to do this without hurting your voice. So, like, you know, I mean, musicians who 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 do this, you know, who who really tour with this music, I mean, like, they're not they're not blowing their voice out every night, you know. I mean, like, they're doing it in a controlled way. There's actually there's a whole sort of wealth of literature on it, believe it or not, the the different types of screaming that metal vocalists do. It it is a skilled thing. I think there's a tendency to think of that type of vocals, those types of vocals as being, well, like they're just screaming, but they're really not just screaming. Right. I mean, they are screaming, but but there's actually quite a bit to it. I mean, t just to be able to do that every night without destroying yourself has got to be a skill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's it's absolutely, and it's not, it, it, it's truly a skill in the sense that it's not just, you're not just born knowing how to do it. I mean, it's it's developed, you know, I mean, you you have to learn you know, you learn how to do it. I mean, I obviously cannot. I know that people who do that stuff, they really, yeah, it's 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 hard to, yeah, it's it's a real vocal technique. And if you do it wrong, you really can really fuck up your voice. I mean, it, it's it's definitely has the potential to be destructive to your voice. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, there's a band, uh, there's a band I really love called Macabre Omen. They're from uh, Greece. They have some of the coolest black metal vocals I've ever heard. I think more than one member of the band sings. So they have these sort of, you know, portions where, you know, they'll have almost like a, a choir of vocals that are clean and harmonic and powerful, you know, these really powerful sort of sort of male vocals. And then uh, occasionally... Hang on, hang on. Before, before we move on to here. Oh, no, it's already yeah. too late. I wanted to point out that, like, there's been a series of shots where, like, it seems like there's a sandstorm happening. Oh. <laughs> like, where the, back, where the background is blurred. And I think that was a special effects shot. Oh, shit. I totally missed it. It's it's so hard to tell. The whole thing is blurred anyway. I love that, like, the wizard dude is just wearing a Bathory t-shirt. <laughs> like, that's literally just a Bathory shirt, like, underneath his wizard's cloak. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So oh, my God. They're all crouching and, like, flipping their hair around. And, oh, like... yeah. They're doing the crab core thing. Right, but but so far pre crabcore. I mean, like decades before crabcore. Right, right. Oh my god! And then it, the clouds cover the moon. But it wasn't night, so why are? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't night in the whole video. <laughs> Fantastic. Now that we're just looking at rocks, what were you saying? Oh yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah, sometimes they have this like macabre woman has this sort of like this choir of, of voices that are really clean and and in harmony. And then sometimes they have the sort of the high-pitched black metal screaming, but then sometimes they have this guy that does this absolutely deranged screaming, like that it 
it's it's hard to describe, but it it is it absolutely. It seems to be like freeze frame on like a crossfade where they're crossfading to like a newscaster who's about. To... Yeah, this this was taped from public access. Okay, I think, clearly. yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was originally aired on public access in Norway. Yeah, so we we did it. We watched the whole thing. Incredible! Wow, what a Absolutely special phenomenal. moment to what share. What a video! Yeah, it's tremendous. Love it. It's so good. Everyone should watch it. Yeah, you know, if it wasn't seven minutes long, I would have recommended we watch Candlemas. Yeah, that would be uh... bewitched. Uh, which listener, I'll tell you what: if if you want a treat, go ahead and Google Candlemas bewitched and uh, have have a wonderful time. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we probably have time for one more topic. Do we want to pick our favorite of the remaining ones? Sure. How about the the TikTok food trends? Okay. Sure. Mark has a highly developed (laughs) (laughs) kind of like, I think, opinion about these. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes he'll just like suddenly be very angry. And it's because (laughs) he's um, maybe watched one of these. And I think that there's something about it which like just disrupts the core of Mark's being. What is more 2021 than just sitting there and being angry at your phone? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Like... (laughs) You're just mad, but you were just looking at your phone and then suddenly you're you're pissed off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a quick disclaimer, I do not have TikTok. I have not actually uh, consumed any of these videos on the platform that they were uploaded to. But I, I see them captured from TikTok and I subscribe to a number of subreddits because I'm an old man. So I'm on Reddit, but I'm on a handful of subreddits, uh, stupid food and shitty food gifts. Already, we can say, like, I am seeing a subset of TikTok food videos that suck. So I'm not actually, like, really here to be, like, all TikTok food food videos are terrible. And, if, and I will also say there is something good there. I think that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about letting people like things. And I think that, like, young people getting out there and trying to do some cooking is great. And, and if they're getting creative in the kitchen with ramen noodle packets and, you know, American cheese slices, like you know get in there i don't know that that doesn't bother me but but what does bother me there are a handful of creators on tiktok and actually also on facebook i think facebook is another is another a deep vein of of this type of content that is deeply disingenuous content it is it is food content fiction what they do is they try to show you what appears to be to someone who doesn't really know much about cooking like a recipe, like an actual recipe that maybe you could follow. And it looks very simple and easy. But the steps that they show you will not yield the final product at the end of the video. Like it's a lie, you know? And, and, if, and if you know anything about cooking, you know that it's a lie, right? You know, it'll be things where they'll like cover an entire chicken in, in solidified butter <laughs> and put it in the oven, right? And then it comes out and it's got a perfect, beautiful, crispy you know, golden brown skin. And if you don't know anything about cooking, maybe you look at that and you're like, yeah, totally. I'm sure that works. But if you just take butter and smear it all over the outside of the chicken and put it in the oven, that butter almost immediately, once it goes into the oven, will just melt off into the bottom of your pan and burn because butter burns at a really low temperature and fill your whole kitchen with smoke and set your fucking chicken on fire. And also, even if you were to, I don't know, remove that butter somehow in a step that they don't show you in the in the fucking video, 
you know, you would not get a crispy skin on your chicken because that, that's not how you attain a crispy skin on chicken. Butter is mostly water. And water is the enemy of crispiness when you are trying to, yeah, like literally like the, the, the process of making something crispy is the process of driving water out of it. So by rubbing a bunch of water all over your <laughs> fucking chicken, you're not going to get crispy chicken. So it's a lie, you know, like it's, it's fiction. And there are a ton of these videos out there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm deeply disturbed by this because I worry that some young person who has an interest in food and cooking who doesn't know that much about food or cooking, you know, would watch one of these videos and say, oh, I can totally do that. Like, that looks so easy. And then they'll go and do it. But because the video was a lie, they will fail. And maybe they'll just say, well, I suck at cooking then. I guess I don't know how to cook or I'm bad at this. Like, I messed this up. Like, they'll, they're going to they're gonna blame that on themselves. And then maybe that just extinguishes their interest in cooking. And it just makes me so mad. Like, what a crap thing to fucking do for clicks, you know? What I love about this, though, is how similar it is to, like, the kid at recess who is like, I've got an uncle who works in Nintendo, and he says you can shoot the dog in Duck Hunt. <laughs> yeah. They made a video where they did it, and it looks like it worked. Except that these guys actually produced a video of shooting the dog. There's one producer in particular who just sucks. All of their content, as far as I can tell, is just this – it's like – for me, it's rage bait. I mean, it's like literally there to just piss me off. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of their traffic actually is – People watching to be angry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually do think that part of their business model is making videos that piss people off, people like me, um, people who, who – because I, I, I believe that drives engagement. I mean, I'm sure that – People like me who who have maybe marginally less self-control than me will like go into the Facebook comments and be like, you can't fucking do that. And the moment they comment on that video, they're driving it's they're 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 sending it to other people, right? Like yep. the more comments reacting positively to content is not what sends it to the algorithm. It's like just engaging with it. So if you go in there and you're fucking pissed off and you're like, this is fucking bullshit, that's not real, you're just sending it to more people. And I'm confident that at least part of it is that. I think the other part of it is kids like is is because kids like to go in the kitchen and make a mess right like they they like to go in the kitchen and make or they like to make like a mud pie like they want to make something that's kind of crazy and weird and put a bunch of stupid ingredients together and that's fine i mean kids if kids do that that's like great you're like experimenting with flavors and stuff and like i don't know that doesn't bother me but it's like adults doing it to like trigger that dopamine kick that a kid gets when they do it and then the and then the kid just has to watch the video and they get the same bump from it, you know. Mm. Um, and and you see that a lot with, um, especially on on Facebook. There's a handful of there's actually like an empire of producers that make these just horrific videos where they just pour a bunch of food out on the countertop and make a huge fucking mess with their hands and they said it's just this total like disaster and they're like oh my god it's so good you know and they like pour ketchup and mustard and chips and you know nacho cheese and you know everything it's insane and so part of that i think is kids and then and then i think the third part of this weird sort of disgusting triangle of jormungandr uh <laughs> you know content farm garbage is like fully porn. I think it's I think that I think that they are also in addition to those other things, rage bait and 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 child bait, I think they are also fetish videos. Like like I swear like I don't I I can't prove it, but I've seen enough porn to know what porn looks like. You know what I mean? Like and you get like a hot lady 
getting in there, mushing all kinds of stuff together with her hands. That is pornography to somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, I've long maintained that, like, I don't know, you, you if you watch a movie because the people in it are attractive, as, as opposed to, like, the story has any artistic merit, that's also porn. Like, yeah. if you listen to a song because, like, not because it's a good song, but because, like, you really like this one series of notes or, like, or the way this guitar sounds, that's also porn. Mm, if it's merely for some kind of pleasure. <laughs> An aesthetic thing that you happen to, to latch on to, like somebody's voice. Right, right, right. And like, no, it wouldn't matter what they were singing. It's not that it's a, pro like, obviously porn, like, that's not a problem, you know, if anyone's oh, enjoying no. it that way. Uh, I mean, obviously, I know that's not like what we're talking about here, but it is like interesting that they're I mean they're just trying to get all the clicks and I remember also you've talked a lot about like one of the producers has like I think like the tar targeting kids is is I think the part that is like the most yeah. frustrating and upsetting and they have like a set of cookware like a uh, measuring cups it's measuring cups it's measuring cups and the measuring cups are not conventional measuring cup sizes so if you want to follow the recipe, you have to buy their measuring cups because, and they're shaped, I think like shaped like animals. And so it's like add two cows of flour and yeah. Yeah. you have to like buy the app and it's a paid app. And then the app, I guess, has recipes in it. The, the recipes are all like, yeah, put like three chicken measures and like four little pig, cute little pig chef measures in. That's really funny. Yeah, but but they're not, they're non-standard measurements and they don't, or even, it, actually, I don't know if they're non-standard measurements, but they don't have, crucially, they don't have standard measurements written on them. Yeah. Like they don't have the measurements on the cups. Yeah. And so it, it's disgusting. And they're, and they're also like marketed to kids. And they're super cute. They're like legitimately cute. They have like a whole line of like really cute little chefy animal character, cartoon characters. And they are straight up cute little characters. That to me is infuriating. That makes me so mad. Well, then how can they cook on their own like with their real cookware? Yeah. Like, they have no idea. Like then it's hard to know what that recipe really is. Yeah. Yeah. You can't take those skills anywhere else. Yeah, it's like it's like oh you you have to use them with their crappy thing. And it just it just it sucks, you know, like because they're 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 harnessing what is a very cool thing to be interested in cooking as a young person and they're twisting it and commodifying it in this really gross way. They like figured out a way to commodify something that to me I hold very dear, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and also that weird combination of like it, it it's it's nightmarish. It like it's that sort of Elsa Gate shit, you know? Like like some of the videos have the feel of that like it's like, oh, it's like content that's like made for kids, but it's also like it you like watch it as an adult and you're like, why is this like weirdly sexual? Like, why are there all these like weird sexual innuendos in here? Like where they like cut like a chicken breast and like it, you know, in a way that makes it look like a vagina. And you're like, yeah, and it's like shoving, shoving stuff into it. And you're like, what the what the fuck are you doing? Like, like this is like clearly children's programming like <laughs> like what the fuck is this right, but then peppa pig starts eating her own body parts at the end sure yeah ah. <laughs> it's really fucked up yeah okay let's let's put a pin in this let's talk about <laughs> what are some cooking content producers that you like 
Oh, that's a great question. Oh, yeah, we can get that. For sure. There's a ton of cooking content creators that are great. I think at the top of my list is probably Kenji Lopez-Alt, uh, who, if if you don't know him, you know, I'm surprised, frankly, <laughs> because he's very famous. But he wrote a book called um, The Food Lab, which is uh, a fantastic cookbook that takes a really scientific approach to cooking. He's He's kind of like a food scientist. I mean, he's not actually a food scientist, but he takes a very, very scientific look at food uh, and and the processes of cooking and how all of those things work. He does really cool, really rigorous, very actually very well conceived uh, experiments to determine um, how best to do certain things. I mean, he he like hard boiled eggs like a million eggs. Like he did this test with like hundreds and hundreds of eggs, and he had volunteers at his uh, at his restaurant uh, or to peel eggs to see what processes yield the easiest to peel eggs. And he cracked the code on that. Um, he developed the reverse sear method for steak, which is, you know, used in kitchens all over the world now. He's a, he's a really cool dude. Um, he has a YouTube channel. That's awesome. Uh, Kenji's cooking show, I believe it's called. Uh, he uploads very often and his videos are fantastic. Top recommend. Surely. What is your food? creator recommendation i almost feel like you were gonna say it because um this is a tradition for us many evenings we will wind down by uh watching this one and mark will ask me uh if i have any food wishes which is the name of <laughs> the channel food wishes food wishes uh this is another chef that's just very awesome and relaxing to watch and i think has a real a cool attitude, especially for not assuming anyone knows anything and making things very accessible, but also like he's definitely going to like show you some cool stuff. Like he's going to, you know, teach you some lessons and uh, we'll often like repeat them throughout. And he also like has, has a thing like he'll often say where he'll say like, that's just you cooking which is like a cool idea where he's basically telling you about like, don't worry about it too much. You can make decisions for yourself in the kitchen and it'll be okay is I think essentially what that sort of means. We're like, do it the way that works for you and don't stress out about it. Like that's just you cooking. Like that's just you making a decision in the moment. Is this cooked enough or not? You know, does this have, you know, he'll give you some guidelines, but maybe, you know, he'll kind of, also give you plenty of room to kind of do things the way you would prefer and it's it sort of I think is giving you a mindset and tools for I don't know you can just cook you can just make these calls yourself and uh, that's part of the fun of of cooking uh, but he has like a really interesting cadence which I don't hear anymore when we first started Mark first showed him to me I was like I don't really know why you're showing me this. I like, this sounds kind of like, I don't know about this, but now I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. He, he does have a kind of a, an interesting way of talking. Like it, it, it actually, like the way he talks kind of like pissed my dad off. Like I, I sent my dad one of his videos and he was like, why does this guy talk like that? Like, it's like, <laughs> like, it's like really slow, mad at it. but also like kind of sing songy and I don't know how to describe yeah. it. It's a it's a weird presentation style, but is this an ASMR thing? No, no, it's not really. It's yeah, he's just got a kind of a musical. Maybe someone like uh, commented that he was like harder to understand, and so I think he started trying to oh yeah slow down and pronounce things more, and so then I think it became the the cadence. But I think it was based on feedback. 
It's essential. I mean, what, watch one food wishes video and you'll, you'll immediately understand what we'll be like. Oh, I see. This guy talks funny. Um, but he's great. He's, he's really, really good. Um, and actually, you know, Shirley, that's an awesome point you make about, about like, that's just you cooking. I think that is such a fantastic sort of mantra to have or just something to keep in your mind when you're in the kitchen cooking, you know, to be like, if you're faced with a situation where you're like, oh, I don't have this ingredient or like things aren't working the way I expected them to, to not be afraid to just kind of improvise because that really is the essence of of cooking. And the more you improvise, the more skill you gain, the more comfortable you'll be doing it. And actually, that's something that Kenji Lopez-Alt talks about as well. He actually, in in his show... He is forever. I mean, almost any time he reaches for an ingredient, he'll he'll list off a handful of ingredients you could use instead. Like he'll be like, "This is what I happen to have in the fridge," or like, "This is what I found at the farmer's market," or like, "This is what was at the Whole Foods." I'm using this today. You don't have to use this. You could use this or this or this or this. Um, you know, he's always got a list of other things you can use, and he's like, "Honestly, use what you got. Use what's in the season. Use what you what you like to eat." You know, like if it's kind of basically fits the same profile, you can you can swap it out, no problem. And I I really appreciate that kind of flexibility in in recipes because it it I think that there's a tendency, especially among novice cooks, to want to adhere very rigorously to the recipe. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's not like a problem. But I think that like you know the for for me personally like the most joy i when i really get joy out of cooking it's it's when i'm thinking on my feet and i'm coming up with new stuff and i'm and i'm being you know when i have the ability to be a little bit of a little bit creative um when i'm cooking you know to be like well like shit like this thing didn't work like obviously well i'm gonna like try to whip up something else like what else do i got you know like those are like always the the best moments. They they yield a story at the end of it. You're like, oh my god! And then like you know my sauce broke and I had to toss it out and I had to come up with something <laughs> else. I ran out of ingredients. No more eggs. I can't do the custard. I gotta like figure out something else. I happened to have these strawberries whipped up a coolie to put on top of the cheesecake. Bada bing, bada boom. The guests were pleased. It's very exciting. You know, it's it, it that's really where the where the joy comes in. There's another creator I really like named Adam Regusia. He is he also has a very similar thread in his videos where he's like. You know, you do you. Like, I tend to like these, you know, cooked to be crispy. Some people like them softer. You do you. I was going to say, there's also a different type of cooking channel that we watch sometimes. There's one called Kimigure Cook. Oh, yeah. It's almost more like fantasy because they like, it's usually all kinds of like crazy fish and seafood. Don't they work in cooking or they work as like a fish butcher? Or? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a pro in some way. I know he he's Japanese. I know he's got a um, the the like fugu uh, preparation certification. Like he can he can prepare blowfish, which is like a whole process to be certified to do that in Japan. Um, and it's expensive. So my guess is that he's a pro of some kind. His channel is very wholesome and delightful, but is also like in general, for the most part, is probably not fish that we can access. Like, he'll go and just get yeah. giant fish and crazy stuff or things that just we would never be able to get, but it's also just very, very fun to watch him prepare it and then enjoy it. He's a, a delight. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, Jim, do you, have, do you have favorites? Do you have any food content you like? I'm not a big consumer of food videos, but I do like... I don't think he's making anything anymore, but for a while, Robert Ashley was uploading cooking videos under the channel a life well tasted Ooh, ooh! what was happening there was that he would just like he's about to make dinner he straps a gopro on his head 
and just uploads the results. Mm. So like some of these things are like an hour long. Sometimes I spend watch him spend five minutes washing some really starchy rice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. I'll definitely check that out. That GoPro thing is what Kenji uses. He has like a GoPro on his head. Yeah. yeah it's, all, it's cool. April watches um, an Instagram channel called, I think it's Men with the Pot. Okay. <laughs> where their gimmick is they, well, they have two gimmicks as far as I can tell. One is that they cook in a forest. Mm, oh, we know this type oh. of thing. Yeah. And the other one is that they have this really fancy knife that also works as a spatula. Wow. Oh, wow. It's like this big arced, like very unique shape. And I think they, they sell it in their merch store. It's yeah. on the, their front page. It looks cool, though. Yeah. It's a cool knife. Yeah. Both of these are very relaxing to watch. Like, I think that's part of the... Yeah. Well, in, in, in the case of, like, the the Men with the Pot, the videos are kind of too short to really soak into it. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's two minutes of, like, ah, oh, oh, that looks good. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, chop that garlic. <laughs> well, then maybe there's, like, the sound of a stream or in the background. Or there's that one Amazon kitchen where, like, they'll go in the water. Yeah, they'll... Amazon Kitchen. Well, they also sell a knife, the knife that they use in their videos. Um, but they'll go and they'll, like, <laughs> they'll get stream water, you know, and they'll use the water from the stream. Oh, the fresh stream yeah. in the forest for their, their thing they're making. It is wonderful to watch. I think that Amazon Kitchen might be the progenitor of this style of cooking in the woods videos because I, that was the first one I ever saw and it was years ago. I'm into it. One of the downsides of Robert Ashley's just like unedited cooking videos is that sometimes you get his family screaming in the background. <laughs> That's life. That's cool though. That's just him cooking. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> that is. And that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Wow. When? All the time we Mark, have. if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, nowhere. I'm not on the internet. Ha! <laughs> all right. Good for you. <laughs> and, and surely, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, what's the internet? Sounds neat. I, I'm also not on the internet, but appreciate all of you who enjoy the internet. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Have fun with that. Yeah, just, just keep, soak it up. Keep on consuming. Love it. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> all right, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Jim. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.